You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. From the AfterBuzz studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's Salem After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Salem After Show. What's going on, guys? I like the creepy music. Welcome into the AfterBuzz TV Salem After Show, Season 1, Episode 1, the premiere called The Vow. And the creepy music is appropriate because if you guys watch the first episode, it is scary in Salem, Massachusetts in 1692. I'm Bobby DeMiro with my two great co-hosts. We're all freaked out. Guys, introduce yourself. How are you doing? Hey, it's so great. Hi, I'm Anna Koppel. Hi, I'm Jesse Owen. All right, guys. So before we get started, real quick, I want to remind you at home that if you are listening to this on iTunes, subscribe. We want you guys to stay up every week, stay updated with what we're doing here on the Salem Podcast. If you are on YouTube, because we are pretty attractive on camera, let's be honest, you can also hit subscribe on YouTube to watch the videos. But either way, make sure you get the information every single week. And you can always go on AfterBuzzTV.com and follow every other show we do. We don't just do Salem, but today we are talking Salem. So guys, let's get started. Um... We are introduced to John Alden. We are introduced to Mary Sibley. Uh, let's talk characters first, because I think that's a good way to start the show and a good way to start the series. So besides John and Mary, who we're going to talk about more in depth later, let's maybe start down the line with characters. How about this Cotton Mather guy? We can talk about his real life and whatever, but the way he's portrayed in the show, a Puritan, a minister, very uptight, although he does have kind of a dark side we saw for a second there with his lady friend, um, what do we think about Cotton? Not not maybe the greatest guy, but is he just misguided or is he evil? I don't think he's evil. I think he's confused. He's very confused. I think he's... <laughs> now, let, let me be clear, because I'm a little bit unclear about it, and I think we were talking a little bit before we got on the air here, that he was sent by his father. Do we know his father? Did we see his father on we haven't, screen? We haven't yeah. seen his father. His father increased Mather. For folks who are history buffs like we are, he was the president at the time of Harvard College in Boston. Maybe you've heard of it. The only, maybe one of the better academic schools in the world. And he sent his son, who was also a minister, to Salem to proselytize and work and whatever. And he was there when the witch trials came up. So, no, we have not seen his father. We've only been introduced to Cotton. So, now, was he sent after George Sibley, who was another character? Uh, was he sent after Sibley was out of commission? or No, I think he was sent before that. I think he was there when Sibley was there doing his thing. Because in that first scene, we see Sibley, who was very, very forceful. And then mm-hmm. over time, he was out of commission. We find out later because of Mary. Um, but Cotton's been there okay. for a while. Yeah. Okay, so we have Cotton. We have Sibley. And we have, we've got Cotton. We've got Sibley. We've got Magistrate Hale, who we don't see a lot of. In this episode, he, of course, was shot by Isaac the Fornicator at the end of the thing because you saw part of his ear blown off. He was the one wearing the pig head. Um, But he's also going to come into play later because he's sort of he's a magistrate. He directs the town. He's a judicial person. All right. Now, I have to say I was shocked by Mr. Hale because I thought he was just the voice of reason this whole time. I thought he was just one of the good ones, a good guy. Well, it's interesting. I think, I don't know about you guys, but I think Hale wants to be the voice of reason in in real life, in the normal life, because he wants to throw attention away from the fact that, hey, we're witches and we're doing this, right? 
Well, I feel like that might open the door. I'm so sorry. What were you going to say? No, you're fine. Continue. Okay. I I mean, I feel like that leaves open the door for, well, is John, John Audley a, a, a bad guy then, too? Because he seemed to be saying a lot of very similar things to, to John. Well, is John Alden a bad guy? Alden, sorry. What do you, I mean, is he a bad guy? I think he is the most clear-headed out of all of them. Well, I mean, other than the witches. I love witches. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I think it's kind of like they have their little posse, like Mary and then Mr. Hale and um, Tib- Tituba. 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 Yeah. Um, you know, they're trying to, like they said, take over Salem, which we'll get into that later. But then I think, you know, John Alden, I think he's like, you kind of have to b- see it to believe it. Like, he hears all the talk about the witches, and he's like, you know, this is stupid. And then I think he becomes more of a believer. He's like, what's going on when he sees them interacting in the field and the pig and the deer? And and then, you know, of course, the table incident, he was probably like, I'm sure he convinced himself, hey, I'm kind of hallucinating here. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of my notes. Uh, Why doesn't John have questions about what just happened? Actually, what I wrote is, you know, forgive me, guys. Why doesn't John have more questions about the -the over-the-pants blowjob he just received under the table? (laughs) Uh, It was, right? Because then he and Mary just go outside, and he's just like, hey, I have money in the bank. Let's go away together. That's, you know, it was just so strange. That is I, that is a little weird, I think, because he's already established himself as being the skeptical one. He calls BS literally on the fact that there are witches. There are no witches here. You know, he's kind of the voice of reason. The Puritans are religious. E- extremism is a bad word, but they are religious zealots, I guess, in a way. Um, and so he's kind of the one who says, wait a minute, you guys. None of this is going on. And so when it happens to him under the table, I think he's questioning himself. But he's like, I can't come out and be a believer now. There's still something weird. This this can't be witches. Right. Right. Yeah, and I think you're right. Maybe he's, you know, he's tired from his, you know, seven years in the war. And yeah, I would, I would have questions about that too. Sure, what's, what's, what's going on? Am I hallucinating? Did somebody poison me? Yeah, yeah, sure. I guess there would be some questions, but I would, I feel like he was just so even keeled. Still, I would still be freaking out. Like, what just happened? I'm unsettled by what just happened. Well, yeah. he's, and and you you said at first he was so level-headed and he really has to establish himself as the skeptic in town. The interesting thing in, in real life, in real history, John Alden Jr., he had his, they allude to it, but his father was John Alden. He was the second. Um, he was at one point arrested during the witch trials. He broke out of prison, left town, and didn't come back for years until the town had calmed down. So the show is obviously going to be a little different from reality. They're going to take liberty and Shane West is going to, you know, get all up in everybody's business. But it's true at the same thing where he is kind of skeptical. And there's even a quote of the real John Alden saying, I left town until reason returned to the town and then I returned. So I think that character arc that we see with John starting here is he's the skeptic. I don't know if you would call him, you know, an atheist or something. I, I, I'm not sure. But he's still the skeptic of all this maybe fanaticism that's going on around him. And he says, wait a minute, guys you're all a little off in the head. Yeah, I mean, I still think he he believes in some Puritan values. I think he, you know, I think he follows a little bit, but he's not, like, holy roller, like, all up in it. I think he still has his values and stuff. And speaking of holy roller, I am so amazed because the first, if you watch the first two scenes, you see Sibley and you say, okay, this guy's the driving force. He's going to be amazing. And then, like that, snap your fingers, he's irrelevant. He's completely been, been washed out. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I, I I really thought he was going to be more of a driving force in the show, but it looks like Mary has such control over him. Right. Well, and and yeah, like you said, it's right away you're like, oh, well, here's the big bad, and yeah, and he's the worst, and I hate this guy, and he's <laughs> awful. And then like right away you just have like so much compassion for this guy. Like, oh, 
it's terrible. This poor incapacitated guy. Or I'm, an alternative way to look at it is it's his problem because he was so bad to start. He's the one who brought this upon the town because of what he did to Mary. She doesn't forgive him, and now she wants revenge, and she'll take revenge on the entire town if she has to. It almost would have been nice, though, to see, you know, the transition between not just him automatically ended up in a wheelchair, like to see him do bad things and then her take over. And we may yet be able to. Yeah, Yeah. there may be flashbacks because we do miss a seven-year chunk just like that. So we may end up seeing flashbacks. But I know what you're Mm -hmm. saying. It was a little bit of a quick way to jump into it. But it also establishes who John Alden was in town. Then he had to leave, and now he's got to come back and sort of redo his reputation and everything else there. Right. Yeah. Now, another thing that I'm wondering about is Giles Corey, because he's a relatively minor character in the entire story, but I do want to talk about him because he's important today, and then we'll kind of get out of that way and go to John and Mary. Um, What do you guys think about being pressed to death? Doesn't sound that fun. No. (laughs) But there are easier ways to go. There are easier ways to go. (laughs) Yeah, but he took it like a trooper, like he was like, more stones. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's, here's the law behind this, because I looked this up. If you're in... Uh, the Massachusetts Bay Colony in 1692, you legally cannot be tried in court unless you enter a plea for a crime. And so you're either guilty or not guilty. And if you don't enter a plea, they can't try you. You sit in jail. So what they did was they would do this pressing where they would put somebody under the stones to make them enter a plea mm. and to force them to enter a plea. Now, in real life in Massachusetts, you were butt naked. It was in front of everybody. And they had a board over the little box of stones. I don't know if there was a board there, but whatever. Um, I'm not sure I wanted to see Giles Corey naked, but either way, this I <laughs> would have. <laughs> that's uh, that's we're not no comment. On, no comment <laughs> this, but the story goes that he was pressed just like this. He kept asking for more stones. That's all true, and he never entered a plea because when he died, had he entered a plea, either way, he would have been under the jurisdiction of the colony, and his property when he died would have been given to the colony because mm. he didn't enter a plea. It was given to his children. Very nice. So he knew what he was doing. He also cursed the town and knew that the whole thing was ridiculous. But he did die, like the story says. Um, which is actually a shame because the character, the the actor who plays him and the character in this episode was fascinating and compelling. And now just like that, he's gone. We don't get him anymore. Yeah. Well, that can only mean that even better things are coming. That's true. That's true. I, I really feel like this, I, I mean, I don't know about you two. I feel like I can maybe talk for, speak for all of us here, but uh, this pilot really set like a very high bar. I, I just felt like it was so great. I mean, I don't know. Marissa's engineering for us today. Yes, hello everyone. <laughs> hey. She's uh, pretty fired up about it too. She is. No, she loves it. What did you think? Great show. Uh, overall, like, I wasn't expecting it to be this hard-hitting and so compelling and visually stunning and so many characters are introduced to us and like you said uh the the whole character turns and their driving forces really aren't and the protagonist and antagonist are always a twist and turn for us because we see giles but he gets killed so there are so many characters that are going to be introduced to the story but might not be as relevant as we think and it'll always just keep the audience like who's Who's the good person? Who's the bad person? And I think they did a great job of like really gaining the audience and getting their attention for a first episode. And when I'm thinking about it, the town, the main characters in the town got a whole lot younger because the two oldest guys by far are rendered irrelevant in the first episode. So the average age of this town is like a bunch of really attractive 20-something-year-old people. <laughs> Which is, you know... It's, it's like it would have been yeah, in 1692. I think it's the demographic that's probably watching this show, <laughs> exactly. too. Yeah. 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 Uh, and by the way, uh, bravo WGN, because I think... At, up until Sunday, 
the only thing I watched on WGN was like Saved by the Bell reruns. Hey, I'm so. I'm Chicago Cubs games. Well, so there you go. Yeah. This so is their first theatrical foray, and I think they've done if if one episode is any judge, I think they 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 put all out for it. They really yeah. went mm-hmm. in, so good for them. So yeah. I'm very excited. Let's um, let's talk about John and Mary. Before we do it, remember, guys, um, if you are listening on iTunes to the podcast, tell a friend. We always say subscribe, tell a friend, share the podcast. Um, and if you know people who love Salem like you do and like we do, tell them. We are also going to give social links, Twitter and stuff at the end of the show to tell you guys where to find us. But get on iTunes or YouTube, hit subscribe, follow the podcast and the videos. Let's get to John and Mary. One now. more quick person. Yes. And Oh, I actually wanted to throw in real quick before we get off Mr. Corey. Um, I wanted to say about his wife, Martha, who was also yeah. executed. Um, you know, I, I didn't find out. Do you know if he was executed first or if she was? That's a good question. They were executed simultaneously, but I don't know, you know, minute to minute what it was. I think it was on the same night. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Good to know. Okay. Yeah. Um, and she's and never seen in the show, but in real life, she was killed along with John, along with Giles. Yeah. 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 Now let's talk Anne. Okay. So really, I mean, I don't have that much to say about Anne. She's also there. It seems like she's going to be. Uh, she is clearly very into John. Mary's clearly bothered by this. Uh, her parents don't seem to care for her much. Uh, and I think that's about all we know about her so far. But she obviously will become more relevant as time goes on. And also, uh, quickly, uh, Tatuba yeah. is is somebody. And I'm a little bit unclear about. I mean, is she in in terms of this show? Is she an actual resident of Salem? Because it's not clear to me whether other um, uh, other people can see her. Because it seems like only she and Mary have interacted so far. She she is a slave. I took it to mean that she is maybe under Mary's domain or under that family's domain, so she only works for them. But she is a human... I know what you're saying. She's not just a supernatural being. She's a human resident of Salem. Right. And and in fact, she was. And she's... Yeah, and and we can talk more about her uh, in real life, but... But it, but to me so far, it's like nobody else has has addressed her. And is it because nobody else addresses others' slaves? I'm not really... But... uh, I think so. We, We should actually look up that custom. That's a great question. But I think it's just she's under Mary's domain which is a horrible thing to say about a human but right but but and such Mary's the time. like yeah. the, the high lady of the town too yeah. right so. but she wasn't at the time that they went into the woods together true that's true so let's talk about the woods because speaking about Mary um at the very start of the episode she's a little more of a sympathetic character she has this baby she's got obviously in love with John and then Sibley sort of forces her away from that and she's terrified of Sibley and then just a couple scenes later, it's like, whoa, Mary's actually maybe not as good as we thought. And she's really the driving force behind a lot of what's going to come in this town. What was your reaction to that change in Mary? Oh, I'm not sure. Like, I mean, I have mixed feelings about it. Like, some parts I was like, good, he's getting what he deserves. <laughs> like, you know, whatever. But then I felt bad because, you know, she kind of... She was kind of the reason behind, you know, Corey's, um, Mr. Corey's death. Yeah. Really. Versus dying oh, to say something. I, I just got to say, I love this twist in a, a strong female character, especially in this kind of show, because it's usually, um, and I'm not saying usually, but the majority part it was the women who were accused of witchcraft and then accusing this person and being so powerful that she can divert people away from not thinking that she is a witch shows that her character is something to definitely look out for. And she's going to be a big antagonist in the show and I love the big surprise because at first we thought she's going to be the good character and then we have this automatic switch and it's like 
Oh, she's going to be interesting to watch. I could not agree with you more. Uh, when And even what they did with her wardrobe, like, at first, you know, she's, like, all in blue, and I even noticed that. I'm like, oh, she's in blue, and everybody else is kind of in, like, this drab sort of brown. And, you know, she just looked, like, so angelic and so beautiful. And then, you know, it, seven years later, she's all in black, and I was like, oh, she's still in mourning for John. That's so sweet. You know, like, <laughs> it's, like, love this love story between them. And it's like, oh, she's the witch. Like, you know, yeah. I was just, I mean, I was, like, so just like, caught off guard by it. And, uh, and I have a lot of questions about it because she... What started as just, like, the most horrific abortion ever, uh, now she somehow seems to be, like, the superpower, which I'm, you know, have, I have a lot of questions, and I don't know, I guess we'll, we'll learn about it as the series continues, but I just don't understand how she became, like, the witch so, uh, but but I'm into it. I love that twist. I think it's awesome. I, I think I, it's I, also um, just another thing is that the the symbolism of her name Mary. I think of heavenly and angelic, and oh, then totally. she turns out to be a somewhat evil, dark character. I think that's another fun twist that they threw in the show. I think to combine both your points on my own point of view, which may not be correct because we will see. I think she was the angelic character, the Mary, the the biblical reference and whatnot, and when she had the abortion and when Sibley treated her the way he did and when Sibley was so brutal to her the way he was Tituba is the one driving this and, and is maybe the I don't know if you'd say the original witch or whatever but Tituba is the one driving this and Mary went to the dark side because of all that I don't think she started on the dark side but she went there with Tituba because of life circumstances that were forced upon her mm-hmm. and also Tituba was one of the first people who was accused of um, for during the Salem witch trials, so she was there from the beginning. So Mary being with her um, throughout, basically the beginning and throughout her the side of the whole time, that shows just how much Mary has really been involved. With all right, this. As, and historically, as far as I know, to like most witches, witches have that have been accused can be traced back to Tituba somehow. But mm-hmm. uh, so so that's. See, and, and what about that? Because in Massachusetts Bay Colony in 1690s, there weren't as many slaves as there were in the southern colonies or whatever. Is that a product of Tituba just looks like the foreigner is the different one? Oh, she's got to be the witch. She practices voodoo, whatever it is. I mean, she's just an easy mark for these people. Mm-hmm. Right. Could be. I guess I guess Could we'll see. She, he, she will be developed without a doubt down the road. Last character to talk about before we get into some scenes and stuff. What about John Alden? Um Shane West, man. Good to see him. Yeah. Hey, Shane West. Hey, Shane West. Where have you been? Looking great with uh, long hair. He was hair. in Nikita most oh. recently. <laughs> we, we remember the movie he was in. We don't want to say it on air. We're trying to go as many weeks as we can without saying the movie. That's what air. you want to do. I want to just as many references as I can make. All right, well, I'm not listening. You go ahead and say it. <laughs> do you think he remembered the walk home from his seven years of war? <laughs> Boom. Okay. All right. Done. So there's no Mandy Moore in this show like there was in that great movie. Um, <laughs> let's, let's talk about John Alden though, because he is, he is definitely the outsider, even though he's an insider, he alluded to the fact that his dad first boots in town and yet the son is like the least liked guy in town. Nobody wants anything to do with him. He's kind of the black sheep. What's, what happened to make him be this way, especially after serving in war? Probably because he uses the S word at, <laughs> you know, brandings and do the we, gallows. And- do we know how, um, his parents died? Do we know In that? real life, I don't. That's a good question. Because I wonder if, like, Salem has something to do that. Because it seems like he's wanting to avenge his parents' death. Like, he talks about his parents' death a lot. Like, he'll do this for his parents. And, you know, I he, wonder. He is a very loyal guy with the parents and with that half-silver coin. 
yeah. with Mary that he's mm-hmm. kept forever. And, and, you know, Mary has a lot of silver now, but this is all I have, but I've kept my promise. He's a very loyal guy. Yeah, that means that means something to him. And maybe that's just it, is that he feels that Salem has gone in a direction that his father didn't his father didn't intend for the town. And so it, it really isn't anybody else that has anything against him, but he's kind of drawn along the sand drawn a line in the sand saying this well, isn't it. This it, isn't it guys. And there is a key to me, one of the key quotes I wrote down the quote, uh, it was Giles Corey, but he was talking to John Alden and they were in agreement about this at the sermon at the service when John confronts uh, Cotton Mather before the dinner invitation, Giles says to John, Puritans know their sun is setting and they're getting desperate. Mm. And so this is, John is not only the voice of reason, but I don't know how explicit it is, but I think he looks at this as a battle of good and evil and a battle of religious fanaticism and all this crazy, you know, over-the-top hysteria and reason and and maturity and level-headedness and to john this is a huge deal because if level-headedness wins the town is saved if hysteria wins the town is gone little did they know that their their backbone would carry on way into (laughs) 2014 so let's do some key scenes um isaac the fornicator the very first scene not necessarily key to the story although it does set up some things and it was creepy that f being branded on your forehead whoo I don't have the right kind of hairstyle for that. Right. Well, he didn't either at the time. Yeah, that's true. He definitely didn't. Hair does grow. That's the that's the great thing about hair. At the beginning, the girl that was in the stock next to him, that was who he obviously fornicated. And <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, yeah. he, he did say that he looked on her naked and, and kissed, kissed her, her. Which I think is a euphemism. I think it means they definitely, yeah. But it never showed her yeah. again. It only showed him. So I wonder what happened to her. Because they probably killed her. Because it was, it's worse for a woman to do that. It would have been in 1692. It probably would have been much worse for a woman. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't really. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Because because I was thinking that at the time, as it was happening, he's like, you know, and Isaac, for the rest of your days, you're going to carry the mark on your forehead, uh, as it were. And I was like, well, why are they going so easy on this girl? Like, why? But we never saw her again. So I'm assuming they just killed her. Now, let's move to, this, to the next scene. And this actually is a key scene. Uh, Mary being led out into the woods by Titiba, the abortion scene, which was really disturbing. So disturbing. Just weird. And first off, that lotion that Titiba has now put on Mary a couple times, what is it? <laughs> I mean, it, 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 there's it looks clearly... like oil. Because there's clearly some a significance. Oil. There's some sort of potion. I, I assume, you know, it's whatever they put in their pot in the, you know, they... Eye of Newt. Yeah, that one Newt didn't have an eye, right? So yeah. probably that's probably that's involved. actually true. The lizard's eyes were sewn shut or whatever. Yeah. That's a great point. So I'm sure they, they have all kinds of potions, those witches. They just carry around vials for whatever <laughs> ails you. I wonder who all those people were, though. We obviously know one was Mr. Hale, but I wonder who the other ones were. I'm actually very surprised, not to jump forward to Mr. Hale's thing, but on that same point, because we see the apparitions out in the woods with the abortion scene, too, mm-hmm. I'm surprised that Mr. Hale was actually a real person, that it wasn't all just figments of imagination. And when John shot, who turned out to be Mr. Hale, he actually got wounded. I thought it would just be a totally supernatural thing that you couldn't shoot him. Right. What were those things coming out of, like, the tar pits or whatever that was? Uh, Yeah, I thought it was all just... To I me, didn't know what was going on. To me, because there's so much devil imagery, I thought maybe it's the devil at the center of the earth, and this is, like, a point that everything comes right, out. Right, just sort of demons yeah. and, yeah. 
I thought maybe it was all the souls that the devil had taken. Ooh. Oh, I like that, yeah. I like that a lot. I, I like so how creepier. it was filmed because how they came out of that, it, it was kind of like dancing, rhythmic, um, satanic kind of celebration in a way, and I thought that was pretty well done. I totally, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I get that, and it, because they were waiting for, like, the right moon, and so it's the time, and also, and I can't read my writing, really, which is why I called John Alden John Aldley at the beginning, uh, <laughs> but uh, Tudaba made some reference to the Kanaima or Kanaima. Good point. I don't know what that was, either. So, we're going to have to look that up. If anybody knows, please feel free to uh, tweet at us or, or leave comments, um, but we'll, we'll find out. So, I thought maybe that was what it was. Um, and do any of you know what the uh, the the symbolism of the ram and the pig and the wolf or where that comes from or what that symbolizes? I mean, I know the ram is something that comes up in uh, uh, biblically. I know that comes up, but uh, it's something. And, and the devil is always depicted with hooves, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of hoof imagery. And this is something we should know, just generally, not for this show. And right. I don't. I feel like we need to watch a bunch of History Channel documentaries on the devil. I know um, the dove. Like you know, they were sticking the dove. I've seen that in several other movies with witch stuff I, I think that's like a symbolism of like um innocence and pure yeah for sure yeah definitely yeah that's a that's a good point point. and in that scene and the first scene the abortion scene this is where we really see the imagery um the the the, the post-production value of the show really go through the roof and make yeah. it seem like an american horror story or a really high-class horror movie kind of thing a really big budget horror movie because some of the special effects some of the shots some of the things you see really creepy yeah oh <laughs> i mean when mary fed um sibley <laughs> via toad through that nipple on her leg it was just like oh god it was just ew. and then and then did you notice in the mirror right after she yeah put in that sibley? she was a demon exactly yeah, it was awful and horrifying and wonderful i mean just so good and and I mean, this is the stuff that nightmares are made of. It's, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm so, it's such a good show. It's such a good show. You guys, if you don't already love the show, you should really get into the show. It's so good. It's almost like Mary like sold her soul to the devil to be able to live and be powerful, basically. Maybe she didn't have anything left to live for. Yeah. You know, That's heard? the thing. Whether it was Titaba or Magistrate Hale or a different person who was the, you know, Agent Zero, the first person... Uh, maybe that was Mary's mindset, that if John was taken from me, if my baby was taken from me, if Sibley treats me the way I am, if I'm now married to Sibley, I don't know if that was forced or whatever, maybe she says, you know what, I have nothing to live for, so I'm just going to go all the way bad. I think Tibbeche, am I still saying that wrong? Tidaba. Tidaba. Um, I think she is the force behind Mary. I think she controls Mary a lot, just like she was kind of steering her away from John when he came back into town. And that scene in the mirror where she is literally holding Mary in the mirror and says the Sabbath begins tonight, blah, 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 stay on course, don't do whatever she was saying. She was very almost matronly to her and kind of directing her in what to do, I agree. Well, she brought her into the woods. She's like, let him in, let him in. She could have brought her into the woods and out the other end and, you know, get out of yeah. Salem, you know, but that's <laughs> not what happened. So why didn't Mary leave when John asked her to go to New York? Was it just the fact that, hey, I'm a witch now, I can't, I have this thing to do? Or was it the influence and the money and the power, and she said, I can't leave because I'm in a better place, and I've sold my soul to the devil? I think it's all, go ahead. I'm sorry, I was going to say, I think it's the power, because, you know, at the end, um, 
sorry, I blinked at the end. Uh, John was saying how his boots would be the last in Salem, and it seemed like she didn't like that very much. So that's when she went back in, and she's like, we're going to take over Salem. So I think it's kind of like a war now. I think, I'm not sure the love's all there anymore. I think power and wealth and everything has taken over. Influence is a, influence is a big deal. You see it in so many TV shows and movies, but it's going to come up here too. And that idea of Mary and John's relationship, wherever it goes in the future... I maybe they're in love, maybe they're not in love, but it's definitely complicated. They're not just like dating, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's not like it's complicated. It's not like Facebook official. Okay? Right, it's yeah, a little yeah. more complicated than that. Yeah, uh, I think it's that because he was like, "This is before or after you married Sibley," and then he's like, "I have money in New York," and she's like, "This is before or after New York." You know, why didn't I hear from you? So I think she's bitter towards him. I mean, she's a bitter woman at this point. Nothing nothing like a woman scorned, right? That's true, because she'll take her bitterness for her own life out on a whole town. And become a witch. And devour souls. <laughs> <laughs> One ratings note. I want to get to predictions in just a minute here with you guys. One ratings note. Um, like you mentioned, on a WGN America, this is their first theatrical push. Usually they're doing syndicated shows and baseball games and stuff like that. Very, very strong in the 10 p.m. time slot when it premiered on Sunday night. One and a half million viewers in that slot. Six times more people watched than watch on an average Sunday night on WGN, which I think they liked. And overall, overnight, they showed four combined airings on Sunday night. Got about two and a half million people to watch. It is the best performance in more than seven years on WGN. So uh, they have other theatrical shows coming out, other original shows coming out. I think for them, first episode of their first foray into this, they did pretty well. I would say so. And the ratings back it up. I think it's going to get even better. I think it's going to be up there with, you know, Walking Dead, American Horror Story. Interesting. Well, let's talk. I think that was interesting also that WGN is now releasing this kind of content because, you know, I'm from Illinois and Chicago, that WGN is the Chicago-based network. And so I thought it was like, really? They're releasing original content? That's a nice, interesting push and such a push away from the Cubs that or the baseball programming that I think it's nice that they have the ability to release this kind of content out there. Well, and you have a lot of money, not to talk the business of television, but it is interesting because you can make a lot of money in syndication, obviously, and they do with whatever it is they syndicate now. But I think they saw Breaking Bad and Walking Dead, and they said, you know what, maybe we won't have a show as big as Breaking Bad, but why can't we do something like that? Why not us? Why can't we order a show, too? And it's like, hey, this is, for the first episode of the first show, it's like, okay, WGN, I'm paying attention. I'm still Mm -hmm. here. You know, you're you're on my lineup on Sunday nights. Bring it on. Uh. There's one character that we forgot to mention that is important, and that's Mercy. Yeah, what about Mercy? I don't... Is she important, or is she just the focal point of how these witches work? Is she just this week's focal point, and maybe next week we don't see her very much? Well, she was in previews for next week, so... Ooh. So she will be around at least one more week. I still want to know, like, what her importance is. Like, yeah, obviously the witches are doing this to her, but Why? You know, like, obviously we know Mary's going to kind of go for Anne because of John. Yeah. But why Mercy? Well, and I I think in the preview for next week, somebody said something like she's not important. But, you know, she almost fingered Mary for being the witch. And she would have, but Mary did something to her to give her the power to then go to Giles Corey, rip off her own finger, which was pretty awesome. Let's be honest. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then and then finger him for it. So, also, how about that getup she was wearing in the courtyard with the mask and Ooh. the pole and just, whew. And why do they have those on hand? Like yeah, that, That's a great question. Well, I assume maybe for dogs. Maybe it's something for dogs and they just, like, reconfigured it to her. Maybe. I got to say, that scene was really cool to watch because just the way that she was moving her physicality that she is very animalistic and mm. it kind of the mimic of when someone's possessed by the devil yeah and searching and using her to search out for witches that it's like they got more people like that that's kind of crazy how they can track uh witches in that way through another person yeah uh i think i i certainly have uh and i know jesse at, at the top the top of the show you said that you you love witches um and i certainly have like a very romantic idea about witches uh so i really do like that there's a lot of portrayal here of of just like these beasts you know uh it's just like a very different perception than what i have certainly well in the perception too and this happened in real salem that not all the people hanged and executed for witchcraft were women there are male witches, or, or whether or not in reality there actually were. There were people accused of witchcraft who were male. So it's interesting that for a time period that was very, very gender divisive, men do this, mm-hmm. women do this, whatever, um, and then for a stereotypical thing, witchcraft, that we've always seen in television as being women's domain, there are no male witches from you know Macbeth to whatever show or whatever movie, yeah. and all of a sudden now it's like, well, there are going to be men accused of witchcraft there are going to be males involved magistrate hale is involved as a witch or whatever you want to call him yeah so it's sort of the lines are being blurred and you don't know you can't trust anybody anymore yeah Mm -hmm. besides john alden this whole first episode the only woman really killed was the first one for fornication everybody that's been or maybe she wasn't maybe we will see her again we don't know but but yeah well yeah because seven years later she might still be sitting in jail that's that's mm-hmm. actually a great point. A lot of the people accused of witchcraft did sit in jail for a long time. Yeah, so. I've read that. Uh, I don't remember how many it was, but um, a lot of them died waiting for a trial. Yeah. Twenty were executed. I think it was five died in jail, and then a couple more died of you know malnutrition, maltreatment, and stuff mm-hmm. because of their sentences and stuff. So but definitely. it really wasn't that, like before. I did research and stuff. I thought it was like hundreds of people died, but it really wasn't that many people that actually died. But I mean, execution. En- enough. Could you imagine today if somebody in L.A. was like, we have a witch problem and like 20 people were executed? Just ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. the most ridiculous hysteria ever. You yeah. Know? That would be yeah. a lot of people in L.A. It, I mean, <laughs> the the show actually portrayed a lot of this. Like back then, a lot of people were executed just for not believing something the Puritans believed. It wasn't necessarily because they did something that was what we consider like magical or spells or something witchy. Like it was... You know, just for not having a different opinion. I uh, dug out a quote from a historian. He wrote a book on the Salem witch trials in the 1930s, and he said in the book, quote, the man's name is George Lincoln Burr. He said, quote, more than once it has been said that the Salem witchcraft trial was the rock on which theocracy shattered. And it's that idea that you were just talking about that the Puritans were so fanatical and hyped up and so this is the way it is or not that the witch trials went a little too far. The hysteria was a little too much, and theocracy from there obviously wasn't shattered. I think he's being a little, uh, taking a little bit of liberty with literature, but it definitely changed, and more level-headedness will eventually come out like people like John Alden. And and wasn't George Burrow uh, Mercy's master? 
Because I, I know there's a George Burrow that was accused of witchcraft as well, and I think he was the Mercy's oh. former master. It's, I actually have a, um, a thing about him. Um, he repeated the Lord's Prayer over and over right before he was executed, and it was said that witches were not supposed to be able to mm. even say the Lord's Prayer. Mm. But they still executed him anyway. Mm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So we, need to, we should look up that if he was her. We should if, do one. We should connected. do one extra episode of the show just about the history of the actual thing. Once we see how this plays out for a few episodes, be like, here's what actually happened. Here are the differences. But that would be interesting because yeah. the actual history. If you haven't watched a documentary on this yet, do it. It's the most fascinating, one of the most fascinating time periods ever. Um, but let's get to predictions, you guys. And now you're after Buzz TV predictions. All right. Who wants to start? Because I have a lot of ideas, but I'd be interested to hear what what are we going to see next week and beyond, guys. I think, sorry, <laughs> no, do it. Um, because we're we're talking about this episode, and we find out there really are less amount of people involved in the Salem witch trials than we were led to believe. Like Jesse, you mentioned that there was hundreds, and it's really down to twenty, maybe thirty people. I think because we see. A lot of people come in and out of the show already, and this is only the first episode. We're going to see more people are going to be accused, and, and if it really is a twenty-person kind of storyline, then we can or we already have an ensemble set, so we have a bunch of people to look forward to and see how they really intertwine with each other, and how all the accusations are going to go down. I think that'll be fun to watch. My prediction related mm-hmm. to you, actually, instead of going forward, I think we go backwards. And remember when John Alden came back to town and those three people were hanging outside of town? Mm. We need to deal with that. We need to deal with Mercy, the start of Mercy's story. Like you mentioned, if she's going to stick around, we got to find out what happened to her. I think we go backwards and say, how did we get to where we are? And Cotton Mather, we obviously haven't heard the last of him, but we are going to be seeing a lot of him because he, unbeknownst to himself, is one of the driving forces behind this because he can't let it go and he's fighting something he doesn't, he's not ready to fight. And it's all coming out for him in a minute. Yeah, and also Cotton Mather, he's a political, educated man. So he's going to use his clout and ability to rally the people. And he is maybe a little extreme, uh, like in the ways that he performs things and stuff. So he's going to use his education and his word of mouth to really get people against the witches and turn it on the town. So he's going to use his power. I, but I feel like he's so pathetic, though, because, like, he had to, like, have Mary tell him. he Like, Mary's like, you have power, use it. And then he's like, I have power, I'm going to use it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, I think that um, Anne's going to become a witch, and Mary's going to, like, use her to use John, or get to John, manipulate John. Um, and I also think that Mercy's actually going to be, uh, like, a very serious... Um, uh, opponent, rival, what's the word that I'm looking for here? Adversary, um, maybe. Adversary, thank you. Um, <laughs> for Mary. Oh, really? I think she's going to be more powerful than we think. See, that's interesting. I, I don't want to step on your prediction, but just reacting immediately to that, I'm like, you think Mercy's the adversary. I think Anna is going to be the adversary. Okay. I don't think she'll okay. be turned witch. I think she will be the good girl, because she's so innocent and so naive to the way the world works. She's going to fight Mary, and again, not know what she's fighting. Okay. Yeah, because towards the end, it kind of gave that, she kind of gave her a little attitude. She's mm-hmm. like, hmm, you know? <laughs> yeah. Do that, do that shoulder <laughs> move again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, I mean, pretty much the same thing. I, 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 want, I have a prediction that's further down the road. I think uh, 
I think Mary's going to kind of be defeated because if they're sticking to the story, because which they, they are kind of sticking to it a little bit, and I'm interested to see them bring out more truth, you know, like the stuff that we already know from the history that we've studied for it. I'm ready to see the characters like, oh, that's that girl. That's her. Yeah. yeah. I'm ready to see that. But I also think eventually, like, you know, Mary's going to get defeated. I don't. I think John Alden of anybody, anybody is going to be the one that actually stops her. It's going to be kind of like love or fight for this town. I well, think that's kind of the question I'm, with love is: Can you go back to love if you've given your soul to the devil? That's like a one-time transaction. You can't like. Re- there's no. There's no returns. You don't have a receipt. Yeah, I it's, think she knows that. Sorry, I think I think she knows that it can't go back, but he doesn't know that. Uh, of course, well, he better not know that. Yeah. What were you going to say? No, I was just going to say, as far as I know, I've never heard of the devil being like, okay, this this. <laughs> I really see that you too. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, as we get going, um, where can we find you two on social media? Twitter, Instagram, where are you guys? Well, you can follow me at Copple for Mayor, K-O-P-P-E-L-F-O-R-M-A-Y-O-R. I will also be back at 6 to buzz about Orphan Black. Okay. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Miss Jessie Owen. Copple for Mayor is the greatest Twitter account ever. I should have taken it, and I didn't. You can follow me at Bobby DeMuro on Twitter. And whichever of the three of us you follow, or all of us, seriously, tweet us, challenge us, question us, debate us. We want to hear from you guys. It's awesome, um, and we want to follow up with you guys. I'll be back later tonight on Believe, so we're just pulling double time here. That's it, guys. Salem, episode one, The Vow. That's it on the after show. And, of course, let's not forget about Marissa. Marissa, <laughs> Twitter, where uh, can we yeah, follow you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Serafini TV. I already tweeted out last night about this show, so I'm already excited. So to, to see have all this happen in the first episode, I can't wait for the rest of the season and what they're about to cover. So and, it's going to be fun. And to be honest, guys, Marissa's probably the best follow on Twitter. The rest of us are boring. So <laughs> no. go follow Marissa. She's <laughs> yeah. really the only one that matters. <laughs> Alright, guys, that's it. Season 1, Episode 1, The Vow. We are done here on AfterBuzz. Remember, go on AfterBuzzTV.com. Subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe on iTunes. We will see you guys next week. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 